Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. On today's show, we're talking about mineral rights. When we buy property, the mineral rights are usually part of the property itself, but that's not a given. Often, the mineral rights are separated from the property, and they can be subdivided any number of ways. For example, you might separate the oil and gas rights and sell those separately from the property to one entity. You could sell the water rights separately. You could sell the coal rights and the gypsum rights. You could sell the remaining mineral rights yet to another party. There's no specific rule that says you have to do it any one way. We're involved in due diligence on a property right now where the title report consists of 259 pages. and Buried deep in those pages are references to dozens of documents contained in the county records that grant certain rights to the holder. The property can be owned by one entity and the mineral rights by another. Not only that, it's possible to sell a fraction of the mineral rights. In the case of a specific property we're evaluating, there was a deed recorded in 1955 for a 50% interest in the mineral rights to one party, and then another 50% interest to the mineral rights yet to another. These mineral rights are usually then leased to an oil exploration company or a mining company for a finite period of time, usually with conditions. For example, the mineral rights owner usually wants to get revenue from the lease of the oil or mineral rights on the property. Leases are structured, usually with an upfront payment, for originating the lease. Then there could be any number of fees associated with the lease. There could be a monthly fee, but usually the fees are restricted to a royalty calculated on the sale of the oil or minerals from the property. Those fees range anywhere from about 10% to 25% of the price of the goods sold, and they're negotiated at the start of the lease. The mineral rights owner wants the revenue, so if they're going to lease the property, they want it to be developed. They don't want to collect just an upfront fee for the lease and then have the exploration company sit on the lease for decades without developing it. Most of these leases have a use it or lose it clause. That will allow a finite time period for the exploration company to get a drilling permit or a mining permit as the case may be. The lease will then define what constitutes production and how long the exploration company has to start production, failing which the lease will be canceled. The mineral rights lease is essentially an easement for a property to be developed for the purpose of mining or drilling. Sometimes, conflicts arise between the surface rights for the property and the mineral rights. For example, you might think you're going to build a residential subdivision on your property, and the mineral rights owner thinks that an open pit mine is a better idea. These two uses are clearly in conflict. Separating mineral rights can be a perpetual source of risk. While there might be no drilling or mining happening on a property right now, that doesn't mean it might not happen in the future. The landscape is littered with historic mines and oil fields that were developed decades ago and then abandoned because the cost of mining or drilling didn't make sense at the time when the commodity prices were low. But today, or perhaps in the future, the economics might be different. An oil well might have been abandoned when oil was $10 a barrel, but at 100 bucks a barrel, a small reinvestment in an abandoned well could have a significant return on investment. Maybe the technology didn't exist back then to make a well economically viable back in the day. The major oil companies might not be the ones to go come out of your property to resurrect an abandoned well. There's a large and vibrant secondary market in the oil industry performing what are called reworks. This is the process of taking an old abandoned well that might have been producing only a couple of barrels of oil a day. At 10 bucks a barrel, the well might not have been economically viable to operate. Old wells often slow down because they get gummed up. This is conceptually similar to cholesterol in the bloodstream. Oil wells have paraffins that precipitate out of the oil when the pressure drops and they deposit themselves in the pipes in the well casing and on the input to the pumps that pump the oil to the surface. 
But imagine if you had a chemical treatment that could break up those paraffins, and now instead of producing two barrels a day, that well is now producing 15 or 25 barrels a day. At 100 bucks a barrel, the economics can be quite different. You might turn that old $20 a day revenue stream into $2,500 a day. Now all of a sudden, you've got pumps and storage tanks and, and industrial traffic going on right in the middle of your residential neighborhood. If you're going to buy a property that separates the subsurface rights from the surface rights, you want to educate yourself on what that really means. Most states and provinces have a very good geological survey website where they show all of the historic permits that have been granted anywhere, together with the dates that they were drilled and the dates that they were closed. Any buyer of a piece of property wants to know what they're buying, and if you don't know the implications of the subsurface rights, you have no chance of knowing what you're buying. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. I'll talk to you again tomorrow.